Good morning, Springbrook family. It's so good to have you out on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, are we ready to rumble? Uh, I tell you, it's going to be quite a championship out there in uh, New Jersey, East, East uh, Rutherford, uh, MetLife Stadium. I love Mike Dick uh, when he thought about the first cold weather Super Bowl. He said, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> I personally agree. But whatever. we got two great quarterbacks, uh, Russell Williams and, uh, I'm sorry, Thank you. See, I'm out here. <laughs> Russell Wilson and Big Man. The interesting thing about both of these individuals are very, very strong Christians. You know, very, in fact, I uh, think it was Russell. He tweets a verse every day on his Twitter account. And Big uh, uh, Manning has a wonderful biography. I was reading some sections from that. Isn't that beautiful? How uh, God uh, puts these superstars up there and says, hey, you know, uh, these people believe in Jesus and they focus their lives around them. It really is an amazing thing to think about it. Uh, 111 million people watched the Super Bowl last year. Biggest sporting event ever in the history of TV. There was $12 billion sold of food, uh, decorations, and the uh, NFL where you had uh, 12 million people, I guess this is what kind of concerns me the most, watching the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> Anybody want to admit to watching the Puppy Bowl? <laughs> Very good. Much less violent, no doubt about that. Lots of those puppies. Uh, but it really is a, a cultural uh, phenomenon. In fact, there, there are more, uh, more food is consumed today than on any other day during the year other than Thanksgiving. Even Christmas. And more food consumed today. We always do our annual Super Bowl quiz or uh, poll, I guess you'd say. Is What do you like best? Now think about this. What do you like best about the Super Bowl? you got to pick one. Do you like the game? Or do you like the food? Or do you like the commercials the best? Okay, let's go game, commercials, food. All right, let me go for one. How many like game the best? Woo. All right. How many like commercials the best? All right, how many like the food? Well, that was pretty evenly uh, separated. What about that? Well, we love to enjoy the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl parties. Uh, God loves to party. But I tell you what, we, as part of this disciple-making community are about God's Super Bowl. You know what God's Super Bowl is? God's Super Bowl is rescuing lost people. God's Super Bowl is about redeeming people who are facing a Christless eternity. God's Super Bowl is about adopting people into His family. God's Super Bowl is about transformation. God's Super Bowl is about transforming relationships and marriages and, and every aspect of our lives. That's what God's Super Bowl is about, and that's what our church is about. Our mission is to make disciples, to build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Passionate. 
That's one word I really like when we put that mission statement together. We want to be passionate about this. As I observe different people when it comes to NFL football, you got some pretty passionate people. The people who are passionate are watching their team every week. They don't miss a game. Now, these people are studying the other team. These people are listening to every sports commentator they can listen to, reading everything they can on the internet, everything they can in newspapers. They are just immersed in it. That's all they talk about. They might have all game access where they can watch other NFL teams. They're part of fantasy football. Does anybody know somebody who's a team who has an addiction? <laughs> in fact, I was watching on the news last night, and there was this father and son, and they had spent together $7,000 on their Super Bowl trip to see the Denver Broncos play. Now that is devotion. That is commitment. And, and as I observe all the hoopla and reflect upon this, you know what my passion is? You know what my, my vision for this ministry is? Is that we would be as passionate about Jesus Christ as these individuals are about NFL football. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine if maybe only 50% of our church was as passionate about the mission of God and what Jesus Christ can do in people's lives as NFL addicts? Can you imagine what kind of impact we would make in this world? I mean, think about it. Think about it. And friends, as we dug into the book of Acts, we realized that passion does not come by saying, I'm going to be more passionate. Now that, that passion comes from the Holy Spirit. And we want to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and be changed by Him. This is our third week in the book of Acts. And we've been studying uh, how Jesus Christ uh, ascended into heaven. And He said, listen guys, I'm leaving. But i got somebody better coming. Somebody who's going to dwell within you. And so they waited. The twelve disciples plus another 120 all together that were really committed to Christ. And they were in this upper room and the Holy Spirit came, right? And He came in a mighty way. And these people went out into this area where they were at. As we talked about, it was to sound like a tornado. Nobody moved, but Everybody kind of gathered around and said, what is going on? Where is that sound coming from? And these people witnessed to the people that had come to the festival of Pentecost. Uh, they witnessed in their own languages. And 3,000 people became Christ followers that day. Alright, so that's where we're at. you got 3,000 plus people who are committed to Jesus Christ who have been transformed by Jesus Christ. But what I want to do today is I want us to study one of the definitive passages about the church and the modeling of what a church should look like. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I encourage you to bring your Bibles here uh, to uh, study together. Uh, so get your Bibles out. We're going to dig in. And uh, this passage really gives us uh, a 
biblical model of what we should be doing in making disciples and, and doing life together. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I want to thank you for the time you've given us to study this tremendous passage that speaks about your church, that speaks about how we as a local group of believers here should be relating to one another, the things we should be doing, uh, the way we should be living, the power we should be dependent upon. I pray you open up our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, listen, uh, hopefully you received a note card on the way in, and you're going to be using that throughout this message. So we have some ushers. Uh, if you do not have a pen, or if you do not have a woman with a large purse sitting in your uh, they would love to help you. So just raise your hand real quick, like if you need a pen, Roger needs a pen, uh, down uh, front here. So just keep your hand up until you receive that pen, because, guys, I'm going to ask you a favor, Okay. I know some people say, I'm not doing what that guy says. <laughs> but really, I would ask you, uh, to, to, just go along with me, okay? I think it would be helpful for you. So I'm going to ask you to write some things down. So when I ask you to write some things down, do that for me. Uh, just go along with me and uh, because I want to help you for it. All right. Well, let's take a look at the five areas of devotion that we need to have the Jesus Christ Church. The first one is we devote ourselves to learning. We devote ourselves to learning. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now what you need to understand is that these people were Jews. And all they had was the Old Testament scriptures. And now everything had changed. The game had changed. It was a game changer, right? Everything was new. These people had come to Jerusalem like they had so many times. The festival of Pentecost expecting the same thing to happen. And everything was different. The Holy Spirit came down in an unbelievable way. He rocked the place. And these people who were transformed by Jesus Christ didn't want to go anyplace. They wanted to stick around and say, now what do I do? Because now they had a new relationship with Jesus Christ. They had a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. They had a new relationship with each other. They had a new mission. And so, hey, I need a crash course here. What am I going to do? I need to go back to my country at some point, but i got to stick around and figure out, what, what do I do? I mean, how do I live out this new Christian life. So what they would do is they would go to the temple courts. They didn't have any place to go. They didn't have churches or anything like that, obviously. They had synagogues. But they would go to the temple courts, and that's where the apostles would teach them. That's where they would give them the orientation session. And uh, friends, Springbrook Community Church is devoted to this book because this book reveals who God is. This book is empowered by the Holy Spirit, the inerrant, infallible Word of God. This book is what we do everything. We base everything upon the truth in this book. And friends, we need to love this book. We need to delight in this book. We need to study this book. We need to read this book. We need to memorize this book. We need to own this book. 
we need to read this book more than any other book. Or any other, other any magazine, anything we read on the internet. We need to spend more time with this book than anything else. Because, friends, the Holy Spirit uses this book to transform us. Now, the question I have for you today is, what is your relationship with this book? Now, you might be saying, well, man, it's not that. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. I want you to take your prayer card out. Okay? Take your prayer card out. I want to see some activity here, okay? Alright? And, and, and I just want you to write down a prayer request. Maybe it's just, Holy Spirit, give me a deeper love for your book. And maybe something comes to mind and says, man, I can get back into the Word on a daily basis. Or, I, friends, we have more knowledge uh, about this book than we've ever had in terms of uh, a greater understanding uh, based on uh, study of the scriptures. <laughs> you look out on the internet and, and the gifted teachers all across the world where you get podcasts or radio, TV, books upon books on a book, books, never in the history of Christianity have you had more resources to get to know this book. It's an exciting time to live. So you write down there whatever you feel led to write. And this is going to be your prayer card for however you want, how long you want to be your prayer card. And maybe you just say, God, give me a love for your book. Help me be more passionate about your book. Whatever it might be. Now, this is something very This is probably the greatest misconception that people are misunderstanding people have about this particular book. Okay? The Word of God. Most people view this as a self-help book. Friends, this is not a self-help book. You cannot help yourself. This is a God-help book. There's a big difference, isn't there? A self-help book is you read it and you say, okay, I'm going to be a better person. A God-help book is, oh, can't do that, God, you help me. Right? So I want you to say this to me. I'm going to say, this is not a self-help book. I want you to say with me, it's a God-help book. Yeah, that's what you're going to say. I'm going to say, it's not a self-help book. And then you say, it's a God-help book. Okay? It's not a self-help book. It's a God-help book. It's not a self-help book. It's a It's beautiful. That's the first purpose of God's Word, is to help you to cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ, to get to know who God is. But here's the biggest misunderstanding. A lot of people think, okay, you know, this is helping me grow closer to Jesus, and that's it. It stops right there. No, 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 no. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's what Scripture does for us. The Holy Spirit teaches us, He reproves us, tells us what we're doing wrong, directs us, and trains us in righteousness. That's all good. Now, you got to remember that back uh, when 
these letters were written. Uh, Paul wasn't going along writing Timothy, saying, okay, I'm going to put verse 17 here. Now let's start a chapter. <laughs> that was put in later, just for organizational purposes. So when you read uh, a book like uh, 2 Timothy, uh, read it as just one letter. So, so he goes on. So let's just follow the plot here. Uh, Man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. And then he goes on to say to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. This is a pretty strong charge of Timothy, right? Very serious. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teach you. Now, this was addressed to Timothy, who was a pastor. So, this verse uh, really charges uh, me up in regards to the responsibilities and gifts that God has given me. But friends, it's not just for me as a pastor teacher. It's for all of us. You see, this is a training book. And you study this book for two purposes. First of all, to train yourself. And then, to train other people. And that's where most people miss the boat. They think it's just for them. No, 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 no. <laughs> you study this book in order to train other people. You study this book to help people understand who Jesus Christ is. You study this book in order to counsel people, to challenge people, to help them to, to know who Jesus Christ is and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not crazy about multi-level marketing organizations. Uh, again, there are a lot of good ones out there. But I'll tell you one thing that they do very well. And I wish we could have this type of orientation. If you're recruiting for, let's say, Mary Kay or uh, Amherst Chef or that type of thing, the idea is not just for you to learn the skills, but what? For you to train somebody else to learn the business skills. To train somebody else to learn the business skills. To train somebody else to learn the business skills. And that is a discipleship multiplication mindset that is missing in many churches today. And, and my passion for our church is that through uh, these teachings and uh, just continuing to challenge people, encourage people, and pray that we would have a discipleship multiplication mindset that our Christianity, that our relationship with Jesus would not just be about us. It starts there, but that's just the starting point. We want to disciple the next person who can disciple the next person. This stuff is too good to keep to ourselves. Amen? Amen. So friends, when you are studying God's Word, when you are learning and growing, you'll be thinking about who you're going to share this with. We're going to pass this ought to take a prayer card out, okay? This is my challenge for you. Before 12 p.m. Central Time tonight, I want you 
to tell somebody something you learned in this message. Okay? Go home. They have to understand it. You know, I mean, three, four years old, whatever. <laughs> Just tell somebody. Okay? Email somebody. Email a friend saying, hey, every time church day, here's one thing I learned. And encourage them. Text somebody. Call somebody. But do what God intended you to do with the Word of God. Not to keep it to yourself, but to pass it up. Amen? Amen? I'm having a good time up here, okay? Let's keep it coming, guys. You know, this is, this is great truth. All right, let's go to the next one. We devote ourselves to learning. Then we devote ourselves to worship. Acts 2.42 again. Now it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But they also devoted themselves to the breaking of the bands. Worship, obviously, is a lifestyle. You offer your body to God. You give yourself to God. Your whole life is a worship service. But here are some different things that they did on a regular basis to worship the Lord. They celebrated communion, the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Notice verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So many people think that, again, uh, they went to the temple courts to hear the apostles teach and to fellowship together, just like we're here together. Uh, then they went to homes, like we do with our uh, small groups. And that's where they minister uh, together. Uh, where uh, where many believe that every day they had something called a law feast. Uh, it was just, <laughs> come on over to the house, you know. Uh, we're going to talk, we're going to learn, we're going to talk about what the apostles are talking about, and we're going to celebrate communion together. Just as Jesus Christ did in the context of a normal meal, they believe that's what happened. So we're going to have our communion service come forward at this time. And we're going to ask them to distribute uh, the elements and there's two different cups there. You just twist them apart and we're going to partake of them in a second. Now, there's something so beautiful about communion. Because it puts us all on common ground. As you know, our culture wants to characterize each of us. Successful, not successful, rich, poor, educated, non-educated, whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of categories out there. But friends, when we come to communion, we come as common sinners. We come back to the heart of it. The fact that Jesus Christ died for us. That, that we have, uh, we have no, nothing that we have. <laughs> Our worth comes from Jesus Christ. And so, there's a unity uh, when we partake of the elements together. Uh, there's a unifying experience of us celebrating what Jesus Christ did for us and also symbolizing the unity that we have as a church as we look forward to what uh, God is going to do through us and as we look forward to celebrating communion someday uh, with Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 24, it says in when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and that goes on. We need to continue to go back to the cross. Because at the cross, we learn so many things. We learn that Jesus Christ is the one who saved us. We didn't have anything to do with it. We realize that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. We realize that Jesus Christ is the one who sustains us. We realize that Jesus Christ's grace is what carries us. We learn that it's not about us, but it's about Jesus. And, and, and it inspires us to draw other people to the cross. To draw other people who are struggling and who don't know Jesus. To say, come to the cross. Come to the cross and, and let the Holy Spirit reveal Himself to you. And the incredible love that God has. So let's celebrate now. Let's take bread. And uh, let's partake. Let's take the cup and partake. Dear my Father, when we stand at the cross, it's a great love. When we stand at the cross, all of our righteousness falls to the ground. And we realize that it's only because of Jesus that you're a father. When we stand at the cross, we understand our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would many times bring us back to the cross as we go through the day and realize what an unbelievable gift you've given us in Christ's name. Another aspect of worship that they uh, talk about here in Acts 42 is and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. So they devoted themselves to prayer. And friends, the power behind this ministry is the Holy Spirit. And the way you tap into that power is the power of God through prayer. John 14, 13 through 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Twice he says, Jesus Christ says, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now right away our mind goes toward, well, I like that new car, I'd like a better job. I'd like my kids to obey me. Now, it's okay to pray about those things. But, but what are kingdom prayers? A kingdom prayer is, man, I'm praying for my boss to come to Jesus. I am praying for uh, this particular person who's struggling in their marriage uh, to understand 
who Jesus is so they can transform, uh, their lives can be transformed. I'm praying for the ministry of Springbrook Community Church that God would use it. I mean, have you prayed for Springbrook or any of the people in Springbrook in the last week? Just think about it. And if you haven't, I want you to write that down. Pray for Springbrook. Write that down anyway if you're wrong. Pray for our ministry, guys. That's where the power comes from, right? Think about all the the well-conditioned bodies in that Super Bowl today. Uh, I'm sure there's no steroid use going on there. Right? Yeah. They're depending on their physical power, right? Well, that's not us. We depend on the Spirit's power. You guys can come forward right now. Uh, Pass your uh, uh, cups uh, to the side, and the union servers uh, will pick that up. But we have got to be a people of prayer. We've got to be devoted to prayer. Prayer is so critical. Prayer is so beautiful. I was here yesterday at our men's No Regrets conference. What an awesome time. Oh, man. That's that sweet. For a hundred guys spending over, oh, it's been about eight hours, uh, seven hours, studying God's Word, uh, fellowshipping with one another, encouraging uh, one another. And I, I was just talking with people, and I make it a practice whenever I talk with somebody and we have an extended conversation to pray for them. There's one more effective thing that I do but to pray for them. I see an individual right here now uh, who shared about a job issue, shared about uh, his daughter's physical issue, and I said, let's pray. That's another guy who's struggling with leadership issues on his job. Let's pray. Talk about another person who's struggling with their marriage. Let's pray. Friends, that's what we need to do. I know everybody has their comfort zone. Okay? And, and uh, again, my, my prayer is that you get to that point where you can do that with people. I mean, if you're going to have a conversation about something, if somebody's going to pour their heart out to you, what better thing to do is pray for them, right? So if you feel comfortable, and even if you don't, and, and again, I understand people are different. And so you know what I would do? You know, I have a data reporter, as you guys know, and uh, that's how I keep mine. We're all straight. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when somebody says pray for me, I try to make a practice, and after I pray for them, just to write that, uh, excuse me, to uh, record that, and put that in my prayer system. Okay? So, if you don't feel comfortable praying for a person, I would say, you know, at least take out a note card and write it down. Because you know how it is. If a person says, I'll pray for you, if you're a cynical person, you'll think, yeah, okay, hopefully I know you <laughs> But if you take out a piece of paper, right, you just have a prayer note card in your pocket and all die, you pop, bring that puppy out, you know, and be asking people. You know, when you sit down with somebody, every time you sit down with a Christ follower, a stock question should be, what can I pray for you about? And if a person says nothing, well, that's a whole other conversation. Right? And, and then, after you after you ask them, how can I pray for you? The most beautiful thing is to come back a week later, three days later, and say, it's Oh, right there. Right there. You encourage them, you build them up, because they know you're praying for them. Now, here's, here's a key question. Now, Roger's, Roger, down here. And, uh, Roger, I'm not going to ask you to answer this question. But let's say I said, okay, Roger, I got the oath for you. 
Either I will pray for you for 10 minutes a day this week, every day, or I'll give you $100 right now. What would you choose? Okay. You want the cold hard cash? Or you want somebody to pray for you? Now you think about that question. And that will tell you how much you believe in prayer. That will tell you how much you value prayer. I'm not giving you money. But I will pray for you. <laughs> so what I want you to do is I want you to write down on your prayer card uh, somebody to pray for. Just whoever comes to mind. Write that person's name down. Uh, all kinds of needs. All kinds of uh, needs for uh, prayer. Uh, a lot of people have asked me about my arm. Uh, I, your, your prayers have carried me over the last five weeks. I had rotator cuff surgery, not really that big a deal. But at the same time, you know, it takes the energy out of you and, you know, life gets kind of mixed up. But uh, I just appreciate your prayers uh, so much and your concern. And that's a great perk about being a pastor, you know, is that a lot of people are praying for you. And I need a lot of prayer. Okay, uh, but thank you. I just want to thank you for your prayers overall. You can probably say, I pray for you every day. No. My gift is that, you know. You know, anybody who prays for me, I just personally want to thank you right now for that. All I have to say is, I'm in physical therapy, everything's going well. The only reason I have this thing on, I don't have to have it on anymore, but I'm not thinking when I'm up here. And my arms go fly. And, uh, that's the only reason I have it on. Okay. And then I've heard later, yeah, it's something I shouldn't do, I suppose. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on here. Let's move on to number four. We devote ourselves to relationships. We devote ourselves to relationships. Again, back to Acts 2.42. Now, again, Acts 2.42 is such a powerful passage because, again, it, it doesn't uh, go to Acts 2.42. Uh, it just doesn't say devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. No, you're devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, and to prayer. So, I mean, it, it's very motivating for me uh, to, uh, again, ask the Holy Spirit to, for the power to be so devoted. But to fellowship, that's the idea of partnership. Fellowship, partnership. And, and, and the... the uh, the definition that I like is Christ-centered relationships. You know, we all have all kinds of relationships. But friends, you need Christ-centered relationships. Not that you're always talking about Jesus, but Jesus Christ is at the center of your relationships. So you talk about your walk with God. You pray for each other. You share burdens. You encourage one another. You challenge one another. Uh, and, and this is, again, what we see in the book of Acts, Acts 2.46. And day by day, attending the temple together, and that's when they, you know, it's a big group event uh, with the apostles, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with uh, glad and generous hearts. So, <laughs> what an unbelievable time. All these people from all over the world, again, uh, ministering to one another, Spending time, in a sense, in small groups, having these meals uh, together, uh, celebrating communion. But the word is day by day. Now, I know it's very difficult in our culture to have day by day relationships with other believers. 
But you see, that's why it's so important that we be committed, that we be devoted to the times when those opportunities are there, like Sunday mornings. What's devotion to a weekend service? And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be there not just for myself, but I'm going to be there for other people. I'm going to be using my spiritual gift. I'm going to be encouraging people. I'm going to be loving people. I'm going to be praying for people. We need you here. You might think, well, I don't need to. Yeah, you need to be here. You need to be here not just for you. And a lot of people think that. What am I going to get out of it? But as you mature as a Christ follower, the main reason you're here is, what can I get? First of all, what can I get with God? I get an appointment about the worship team. And then, how can God use me to be a vehicle of His grace uh, to other people? Same thing with small groups. You, you know the, the principle, you know, you become like the five people you hang with the most, you spend the most time with. You take on their values and things of that nature. Now, of course, we are an evangelist, uh, evangelistically uh, driven church. We want to become more and more like that. So we believe in and hang out with People who don't know the Lord. But still, you need other Christ followers if you're going to become the disciple that God desires uh, you uh, to be. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good deeds. That, that's it. Yeah. I was thinking about this. And, and when's the last time you did this? Let's think about people in your small group or a, a spiritual friend that you have. When's the last time you sat there and thought, Okay, Jim. What can I do to stir Jim on to love and good works? I mean, really, take some time and actually put a plan together for your friend in the best possible sense of the word. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just meditate on that verse this week and say, how often do I think that way? You know, I'm related to this person and I'm going to challenge them. I want to encourage them to the next level. That, that really is the, the true nature of a spiritual friend. It's not like saying, oh, okay, we're all good, you're feeling good. No, no, no. I said about feeling good. It's about moving forward. It's about maturity. And many times a challenge has to be laid down. So, that's cool. All right. Not neglecting to meet together. Friends, things have not changed in 2,000 years, right? We can find a thousand excuses not to come to church or not to come to the small group or any other activities that might involve other Christ followers. But if you're going to thrive as a Christ follower, you need to be rubbing shoulders with other Christ followers. Uh, but encouraging one another and all the words you see today approaching, I love that. Yeah, for me personally, the number one I think, thing I need from other Christ followers is encouragement. And I need challenge, and I need all that. But the, for me personally, I need people to come alongside. Not just to encourage, oh, you're going to be not that type of thing. But to encourage me in my traumas. Encourage me in my struggles. Encourage me when I'm discouraged. Uh, encourage me in, in, in just doing ministry. And, and that's our job, is to encourage one another. Now, uh, of course, you know, the main way, and again, like the early church did it, they had their big gathering and they had their small gatherings, is uh, smaller groups. That's how we do life together. So I'm going to have Jim and Julie Baker come out at this time. And Jim and Julie have been attending Springbrook uh, for four years and involved in different small groups. They're now leading uh, their own group. And uh, so I just wanted to touch base with them briefly 
And uh, first, what do you think? What do you think keeps people from small being qualified? Sure. Um, speaking from my own experience, um, first small group that I joined, um, I, I felt like I had to be a Bible scholar. I felt like I needed to know everything there was to know about the Bible before I was worthy of joining a small group. So that, for me, that was uh, one of the obstacles that I kind of made over to, to get into a small group. And that's not true, is it? No, it's not true at all. No, yeah. <laughs> Drop it away there. <laughs> and you just keep your mouth shut, right? <laughs> the point is, friends, none of us are Bible scholars in that sense. You know, we're just learning uh, together. You know, one thing I find is that people have this idea of small groups where you come in and you have to spill your guts. Alright? You have to tell your personal story and things like that. And that's not the case either. Uh, I mean, you can bring your artificial self uh, to uh, this small group. Because we all have our artificial selves, right? You know, the front that we put put on many times. And you don't have to say anything. You don't have to share anything personal. But what you're going to find out is you're sitting with a bunch of messed up people. <laughs> really? You're going to be shocked. You're going to say, I'm not doing as bad as I thought. I need to help these people. Man, friends, we all struggle. Life is challenging. But what I, what I typically find is that if you're involved in a small group over a period of time, you're going to naturally help Because everybody's going to be so transparent. And again, you don't have to. But I think you will. Yeah. What are some benefits of a small group for you guys? Benefits that we've found are friendship and community. Well, I would love to come, of course, come to church on Sunday morning because we do that. We have found that in your small group, you learn to laugh at people, you learn to communicate, you learn to talk one on one, you learn to encourage, um, and you get that an intimate relationship um, with other Christ followers and other people that attend the church um, through your small group. Tell us more about your group. Yeah, um, we live in Huntley, so we meet at our home on Thursday evenings. We meet uh, three Thursdays out of the month uh, from 7 to 8.30 at night. Great. are you studying? Um, currently, we're going to be doing the... Um, we're going to be studying a book called Crazy, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Okay. Very cool. Hey, listen, if you'd like to talk to Jim and Julie, they're out in the atrium after the service. Any questions about small groups? Take out this uh, insert in your program. And uh, well, I tell you, if you're not involved in small group, obviously we've told you well, it's such a great thing to do. And well, <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, why well, such a great thing to do? And it was modeled in the early church, you know. So uh, if you're not involved, go back to our ministry counter, talk to Pastor Rich, talk to other people back there, uh, fill out this information, and explore. Thanks so much, guys. Let's
Well, what happened with the two festivals they had on a yearly basis in Jerusalem is that 10,000, 12,000 people would come from all over the world. And they didn't have that many in. So what happened is that people would bring them into their homes. I said, what kind of hospitality going on? There's no place to stay. So other Jewish people would say, you can come and stay with us. And uh, we'll feed you and we'll meet your needs. Now the unique thing about this situation is usually they went back after the uh, festival of Pentecost, but this time they stuck around because they wanted to explore their new relationship uh, with Christ and his church. So these people needed money. They weren't working. They didn't have any reserves per se. So what happened was is that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Not everybody was. We see the illustration of Stephen selling his property, and of course we have Ananias and Sapphira. We'll talk about them. <laughs> uh, they lied to the Holy Spirit and made for it. Uh, but the point is that only certain individuals sold uh, their property and gave to people as they had need. If they didn't have need, then they didn't give to them. So it's not communism, it's not communal living. The point here is that people met each other's needs. And we at Springbrook are committed to meeting each other's needs and using our spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So put down on your prayer card, you know, just whatever, service. And my, my uh, desire this year, my vision is that we would step up our game here at Springbrook. Uh, we recently did a study of people serving at Springbrook. And we have a lot of people serving. We have about 60% of people serving. But sometimes it's just like once a month or a half hour. And that's good. That's a good starting place. But I think that we need to grow. I think people need to be more engaged as God leads them in terms of further ministry or stepping up into leadership or those type of things. So if you could be praying for that. The final area is evangelism, uh, outreach. If we look here, it says we devote ourselves to outreach. We see this in Acts 2.43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles. Now again, I, I believe that in this particular time period, uh, you know, Jesus Christ doing a lot of miracles, and uh, you had the apostles doing a lot of miracles. I still think it takes place around the world, people doing miracles. And I, I believe one of the major purposes of miracles is to uh, show credibility to the message. Okay, so you do a miracle and people go, wow, and you tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, so there was awe going on. Not a fear, but an awe. As I thought about this, I said, oh, Lord, you know, I pray that our passion, or our vision at Springbrook would be, we would be disciple makers, and, and that the Holy Spirit would just do unbelievable things, supernatural things, where we just sit back and go, ah. That makes it an awesome church, doesn't it? Ah. It's like yesterday, our men's event. Uh, a young man, uh, his name is Brian, uh, he became a Christ He became a Christ brother. Let's give it up to the Lord. It's all about verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lord, we want to see uh, we want to see people come to Christ. 
and throttle and crush. Hey, real quickly here. These are the five commitments again, the five uh, things that we're going to be devoted uh, to. And when you become a member here at Springbrook, that's what you devote yourselves to. You say, hey, listen, I have found this church on. God has called me to this church, and I want to become a member. I want to say, hey, you can count on me. God has called me here. I want to use my gifts here. I want to give here. I want to create relationships here. I want to be fed and encouraged here. And I want to do the same with others. I want to make disciples here. And for those of you who, for whatever reason, have not become members, I just want to encourage you to continue to think and pray uh, through that. Just quickly, our membership process. Uh, we have a salvation by faith in Christ. Baptism by immersion, after one becomes a Christ follower, attending uh, Discovering Springbrook Seminar. We're going to have one in two weeks. We have a lunch after this service and then uh, two hours of training. Uh, so I encourage you to come out to that. Uh, and then you just have an interview uh, with a couple of our elders, and then you are a member. Uh, you pass. We haven't rejected anybody, I don't think. <laughs> Usually we're pretty sure that they're Christ follower before they get to that point. And then we publicly welcome you if you want to be publicly welcome. Some people don't want that. That's okay. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much uh, for uh, this time. Thank you so much for this beautiful model you've laid out for the church. And Lord, I pray that we take these note cards, all of us, and that we would uh, pray over them. And, uh, again, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, your Holy Spirit customizes everything for us and tells us exactly what we need to do. And so, Lord, I pray you would speak to us. I pray uh, that we go back and reflect upon this passage and other passages that were mentioned and that we would feed on your word, not just for our own personal growth, but more that we might help others grow. In Christ's name, amen.